0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today at the Untitled Art Podcast. Live recording from Miami Beach at Untitled Art's 11th Edition. My name is Clara Andrade, and I'm the Director of Development and Programming at Untitled Art. When Decentralized, Does It Even Matter? is a conversation presented by Lonely Rocks, this year's exhibitor at the fair, part of the next sector. I invite you all to visit them at booth A41. And I must say that they have a very strong presentation showcasing new media art. I am thrilled to introduce this afternoon's speakers Benton C. Bainbridge, co founder of Lonely Rocks, curator Ana Maria Caballero, and Australian visual artist Linda Law in a conversation moderated by Fanny Lacube. Lonely Rocks decentralizes the process of creating fine art, reconsidering the self-portrait via emergent Web3 systems. What are the new forms of storytelling emerging from Web3 native communities? What is the tension between creating art to permanently inscribe on the blockchain and the promotion of such artworks via the social media-dependent Web3 communities? Can crypto art exist independently of Web2? These are some of the questions that we will have addressed in today's panel. And before handing the mic over to Fanny, I want to uh, briefly introduce introduce you to her. She's a French-born, New York-based digital art advisor and curator with 14 years of experience in art, technology, and finance with her team at LAL Art. Advisory. She supports institutional, corporate, and private clients who want to enter or better navigate the NFT space. She's also involved in many NFT community projects, such as the Blockchain Art Directory, but 2.0, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, We Are Museums, Green NFT, and more. Prior to this, she took part in some of the pioneering NFT projects and has also worked with larger organizations. Fanny, it is all yours now. Thank you so much for joining us at the Untitled Art
1: Podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you for joining. Uh, And yes, let's give give you a round of applause. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Uh, Well, today I'm, uh, I'm very happy to be joined by actually three amazing artists. And you know how in panels you see a lot of people who are, you know, very... Obscure roles, or you're like, well, what do you really do? And uh, and and today it's uh, uh it's you know finally giving the voice uh, to artists. So I'm very very happy uh, that we're doing it at Untitled uh, Art Fair, and uh, I will let them introduce themselves uh, just to say a few words about their art and uh, your involvement uh, with uh, Lonely Rocks uh, that we will uh, introduce uh, later. But I think you do better justice to your art than I, I would
2: do in a, a thousand words. So, Ana, if you want to start. Hello, everybody. My name is Ana Maria Caballero, and I am a Colombian-American poet and artist. Uh, my practice is rooted in the voice of the home, in saying what goes on said in our daily intimate and mundane transactions. Um, because that is what they are. We, we navigate and we transact with each other, especially with people to whom we, with whom we are closest. Um, I've written in both Spanish and English, published traditionally for many years, and really dove into Web3, believing that finally blockchain provenance can give poetry the transactability that it's lacked to participate in the fine art world, Uh, I believe poems are works of art, and I believe they lacked a logistical problem in getting exchanged. But the blockchain solves that. And I'm very excited to be one of the co-founders of literary NFT gallery, The Verse Verse, where we are onboarding traditional poets, introducing them to the fine art world. Um, I'm also very honored to be part of Lonely Rocks, where I was invited to be a curator. um, And I'm happy that they gave a poet a writer a job as a curator and we'll we'll get into that later um, because it's really interesting Linda
3: hello everybody my name is Linda Lowe I'm a visual artist from Melbourne Australia for the last few years I've spent some of my time in New York City as well so I feel like I have two homes at the moment I am mainly working in digital media now but I have a painting background and I um, I I primarily work with imagery that has its sources in uh, uh, based in sources of light, whether it be everyday reflections, uh, uh, luminous objects, um, water refracting. And I transform and distort these source materials into uh, unrecognisable abstract videos, uh, 3D objects. Um, I've been venturing into the world of Unreal Engine and... Uh, world-building and basically incorporating and reusing and uh, uh, um, repurposing original source material that goes back a long way in my um, uh, repertoire. So at the moment, I'm experimenting with sculpting in VR and incorporating uh, apps like Gravity Sketch, which uh, uh, enable one to sculpt in the 3D space in virtual reality, And then those objects are then transformed in Unreal Engine as well. So I'm basically building sublime environments that people can get immersed in and lose their sense of self.
1: What's your involvement in Lonely Lonely Rocks? And
3: I'm so lucky to be involved, invited to be a curator in Lonely Rocks. Being from Australia, it's a long way away from anywhere, but I think this world uh, today has given... Uh, distance has become irrelevant and I've been very uh, happy to present artists who are not only from New York but also people who are from Australia who I don't necessarily know but I'm really um, uh, privileged to be able to present their art to a broader audience
1: Great and uh, last but not least uh, Benton obviously I started with the ladies and uh, as we should and, uh, but uh, um, yes tell us uh,
4: uh, thanks, Fanny. I am Benton C. Bainbridge. I'm a media artist. My practice has mostly been focused in real-time media, uh, and as well, you could say I'm from the signal culture tradition, uh, basically artists who put together systems uh, of, of uh, electronic, analog, and digital electronic technology, and then kind of dance with it. Um, and I'm a co-founder of Lonely Rocks along with James McGurk Um, and James and I founded Lonely Rocks because we both felt like there are these two worlds that we were involved in uh, the world of art and the web three world, um, both of which we feel are natural fits and and belong together. But we didn't always feel that those worlds were you know, we felt that there was a bit of a uh, gap between these worlds. And so Lonely Rocks is a project where we chose self-portraits because we felt like that's something, uh, a theme that people uh, very much can uh, dive into and is very relevant to practices from both these camps. And furthermore, it's a very contemporary thing. And I would say even contentious thing between the fine art community and this sort of web three crypto community. So, um, yeah, so basically we formed Lonely Rocks and invited curators, uh, like Ana Maria Caballero, Linda Lowe. Uh, we also have other curators from Lonely Rocks here in the audience, including Kyle Lapidus, uh, from Bovid. um, I'll give more shout-outs later on. So anyways, So yeah, so basically the idea was, like, can we uh, bring these worlds together and can people from the fine art world, uh, you know, would they embrace these technologies if they've been sitting on the sidelines hitherto, like, uh, jump in if there was, like, a, a meaty project that culminated in an art fair showing, like, Untitled.
1: Great, and actually, uh, before we go back to uh, uh, how Lonely Rocks uh, and uh, de- decentralized uh, curation works, I think we need to backtrack uh, a little bit and uh, and talk about the word uh, curation. Uh, it's a word that right now has been used, overused, misused, and misunderstood. Uh, and you know, if you go to your Netflix account or to like things, it's like. Uh you have curated playlists or Spotify and uh and they're just selections, right? And uh uh and so we have to go back to like a little bit like what uh we mean uh when we say curation. Uh if we don't talk about Spotify and come back to the art world, like more of the traditional art world, oftentimes uh like curation is uh very centralized, meaning that it's one person who decides, okay, I will show. Uh, all of these artists, even at art fairs, art fairs, uh, you have like the, you know, they curate more of the galleries they want to show, like it's a little bit of a, um, a this like two-step curation, but uh, that has also been uh, compared to gatekeeping a lot, and that has been become uh, a a little bit of a, uh, not a bad term, I mean, not that bad, but, uh, but we've had like uh, this like um, you know gatekeeping gate kept uh art world where a lot of the artists that you mentioned Linda or like that cannot find uh a space uh, uh to show their art. And then comes the blockchain. And and you're like, oh great, 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 great. We can show everything. Everything is decentralized. Like we can have curator, we can have uh we don't need curators, like everything is peer-to-peer, like I'm an artist, I will like sell my work directly to Uh, collectors and a lot of the technology actually allows for uh, that to happen unfortunately um you know like when you know nfts were like the new thing they're like yeah great it's an nft i don't even look at it it's cool i buy it comes the bear market and like where things are a little slower slower and not everything is like uh you know like so easy and it's also now so much noise uh so many different like there's not one thing that can is an NFT. Like, NFT is just the envelope, and then you can put any, like, many different things inside. So, to go through the crap, to go through, like, uh, like to know even where to look, like, this is not the role of the marketplaces. Uh, we've really, uh, you know, we've seen like even smaller marketplaces, like super rare, like, which are invitation only, and people call them curated. And you're like, no, 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 no. Like, this is just invitation only. You don't know actually, like how really um, you know the artists are selected. Like it's it's very opaque still and and quite gate gate kept uh, still. And so so we 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 came back from this like decentralization maximalism. Like we don't have to decentralize everything. Uh, and and came back to this idea of yeah curation sounds good, but curation not just as selection. I think that's like where. I uh, would love to hear what actually curation means to you. Uh, because there's uh we realize that like for each, if I ask, I don't have time, but if I asked every single one of you in this room what it meant for you, uh, we would have like all different answers. So uh, I was just wondering uh if we can go
2: around and uh, uh talk about what it means. Sure. Um I mean, I as I mentioned earlier, I'm a writer and one of my most uh beloved tools is a thesaurus, and I'd like to read to you some of the synonyms of a curator. Administrator, conservator, custodian, director, manager, guardian, keeper, steward. You'll see that gatekeeper is nowhere to be found. Um, there's a philosopher I like called Ludwig Wittgenstein who said that words that are somehow similar bear a family resemblance. They're linked in a way that's inseparable, and I think that this group of words are linked in a way that is inseparable. That makes them inseparable, and it's perhaps um, someone who was kept away, who has been calling, um, you know, curators, gatekeepers, because they're not. There, there are the things that um, that I just read. They're custodians, they're stewards, they're champions, they're cheerleaders, um, and I think that. You know, within the, the poetry world, um, we've experienced something similar to the digital art world that some of us poets didn't have anybody to curate us into shows because it wasn't commercially viable for digital art in the same way that for poetry, it hasn't been commercially viable to be in a gallery. So um, digital artists had to become curators, they had to decentralize curation because there wasn't um, a commercial interest in their work. Um, so I think that it emerged out of a need. And now all of a sudden with the blockchain, there's a transactability that has emerged that has made digital art commercially interesting. And now the question of artists as curator has also emerged because um, maybe traditional curators are wondering You know, why are you curating yourselves into these exhibitions? Why are you curating your friends? Why are you curating, you know, um, artworks where perhaps you haven't been trained as a curator? But really what you are is just you're a steward. You're a champion. You're a cheerleader. You're an administrator, a custodian, and you are championing art that you believe in. And as long as you fit within this role, as long as you're within this family of words, um, then I think you're a curator. Thank you. I would definitely
3: concur with um, all those words and all those thoughts. And I think um, I would probably mainly like to extricate the idea of Web3 from uh, the curation uh, discussion because it's almost as if we we, uh, directly link digital art with um, Web3 and yet digital art has been with us for a lot longer than Web3 all blockchain technology and, and the, the world around Web3 has done is introduce the world of digital art to a broader audience. And um, I think that coming back to the, the terms curation, um, people do master's degrees in this topic. So I, I think a 10 minute podcast might be a challenge. I think Anna did a fantastic job with those keywords. I think one of my keywords is thoughtfulness. And um, I, I think that. Um, With digital art, we've been challenged by uh, how much we've seen lately due to Web3 and seeing um, everybody experimenting with formats and including uh, real-world physical exhibitions of screens all over the place in some sort of salon hang, and then we get the exhibitions that are in uh, constructed 3D worlds and... I guess I'm including digital art in this, but what I've also seen is a lot of painting and traditional material based art also exhibited in these seemingly, you, you know, manufactured 3D environments that are made to look like a gallery. And I have some problems with these because there's so many things to talk about, whereby probably my key uh, point today is that so often they're, they're just put in there in a crowded, Uh, If you're familiar with the term salon hang, that's probably my best best, uh, expression. There's not a lot of thoughtfulness about relationships between the works and eye lines and the conversations that works might have between themselves. And I think um, uh, the the 3D spaces that have the material-based painting and drawing type works don't do any justice to those works in themselves because that's not their native environment. And I think curators, coming back to, to, to the actual word itself, I think we need to think about, well, what materially are we showing? And in the digital space, uh, digital is the home of digital art. So sometimes when you see digital art out in the physical world, it, it's not appropriate. So these are discussions to be had, and I think that uh, at the end of the day, uh, we're, we're just at the very early stages of experimenting and, and working out how things go as we go along. But I'm a major advocate for art uh, in
1: its um, good context and with enough room for itself to speak. And we'll uh, we'll go back because scenography and, and the way you display the works is uh, is definitely part uh, uh, as well of uh, uh, of the creation. But let's just uh, uh, I don't know if you had uh, you know anything you wanted to add to the you know what it means to you and uh, before we go even into like decentralization and any like other uh, aspects. Uh,
4: what does curation mean to me? Yeah. Um, I was actually taught that uh, custodian meaning uh, some time ago by a curator. Uh, so uh, I, I, I was told by our, our partners from uh, Perpetual Art that uh, I look like I have a, a janitorial hat on. So I don't know. Maybe I subconsciously thought that I should underscore that. But yeah, I, I guess I see the same. Uh, I, I would echo what Linda and Anna have said that um I so the first communities to really embrace new expressions in art sometimes using new technologies are really the peers of those people who are using that right so to I guess I would say that uh, you know unabashedly' we're, were we're conscious of that and we're we're going to play that you know card like uh, with the further complication though that uh we are definitely uh we've brought together communities that haven't you know traditionally mixed uh so that hopefully that creates uh some dialogue uh, maybe a bit of friction too <laughs> you know
1: and and actually uh, so so i think it's a it's a good time to uh, uh to go a little bit deeper in uh in how uh, Loaning of rocks uh, came about and, and the experiment uh as such as uh, Linda you were describing it as a season one uh and and the first uh you know kind of uh batch of like like first curation and uh uh and you brought uh thirteen uh curators uh who uh actually uh you know like if you have been to the booth uh, actually selected and curated uh artists uh, that you see uh this week at the fair. And uh, and so, tell us a little bit more. That's a very like basic like description of what the uh, experiment is, because that will bring uh, us back to your comment on uh, on on you know who can be a curator. And uh, you know I introduced you all as artists, but like none of you is really here as an artist. Uh, like more as a curator for uh, for the panel. So uh, maybe if you can describe like how uh, this uh, experiment was set up.
4: So Fannie, we hope to um, embody this sort of uh, ideal that we were going for in the process. So the idea was, can we uh, cast the widest net possible and maybe invite people into a curation process, an experimental curation process who are not the usual suspects, right? Uh, so uh, that meant that where, that meant that, how's that? All right. Awesome. That meant that um, we uh, used uh, voting and ranking uh, methods to select uh, the curators to begin with, right? So uh, James's background is he's a writer. Uh, he does uh, personal nonfiction uh, work. And so uh, James absolutely wanted to bring in writers, and uh, which I'm very thrilled to have. Anna Maria and um, and actually other text based artists like uh, Scott Kiernan uh, playing behind me. So um, and then I certainly had my you know people who uh, who really kind of are uh, artists who for a long time I've wanted to invite into the Web three space. Some of whom had, had already embraced it these technologies and these potentials for these systems. Others hadn't. So our curators, we selected, uh, from every continent, but Antarctica. So, uh, we're working on Antarctica. So if anybody has suggestions, uh, but in any case, yeah. And our curators range in age from mid twenties to mid seventies. Um, the, our curators each have, um, you know, a, a, a tremendous, uh, history, even the young artists are, are very active practicing artists building together communities, uh, around their art and aesthetics often online. Whereas our older artists, no, uh, they typically are not in the, (laughs) the social media sphere. Uh, so likewise, we really wanted to, um, to be, frankly, again, there, there was a desire in the beginning to see, like, can we have like directly opposing aesthetics, you know, people who like, you know, could we create a forum where people are actually going to say like, this is art, this isn't art, you know, uh, and, and sort of duke it out in, uh, uh, in debates.
1: And uh, so, uh, I mean, I'll go to you the, like, challenges that you had uh, in a moment, but I, I wanted to um, uh, challenge uh, the idea of uh, decentralization, right? Like, I mean, if today we're we're not talking about NFTs or monkeys, uh, which is oftentimes like what uh, you hear about uh, when we talk about the blockchain. But uh, like one of the ethos of the blockchain was to uh, decentralize processes and have um, like governance ways that like allow you to, not have to trust or pick people that like you would rely on the community to be able to uh have a decentralized system. Uh that is not easy to do. And uh a, a middle step i would say maybe web 2.5 2.3 2.5 uh would be like distributed. And i i just want to challenge benton what you uh, what you said about the selection process because there is still uh you know you at the origin I mean, not I'm not criticizing, but I'm saying like, how did you approach like this idea? And I know it's season one. So it's like, how, uh, you know, like, did you make sure to not pick like just your friends or like, where like, you know, you mentioned a few diversity, but were there like criteria, uh, or.
4: So, um, we just picked our friends, you know, it's all just our friends. No, no. Um, that's a, that's a good point. So as much as, Absolutely, want, we want to promote artists and culture we love. Uh, we did want to open ourselves to, to work uh, that, you know, gave us pause or shocked us, you know. Uh, absolutely, that, that was central to the, the goal. And here's actually a good place to talk about uh, our partners who put this, uh, who helped us build all this. So uh, we worked with uh, Perpetual Art. Which is uh, they built our website and uh, built the tooling for um, you know to make this all happen, uh, basically with a dao styled approach. But without please the- explain the jargon. Uh-oh. Oh, what is a DAO? Oh, what is a DAO? Uh, well, see, but we're not really a DAO.
1: Okay, let's keep- <laughs> let's not use that term then. Okay,
4: uh, then let us just say that we were we were trying to. We were trying to use principles of governance. How's that? I, I think that that's accurate to say. Where um, basically the members themselves of the community could dictate direction and, and, and have agency in the choices where we went. Uh, likewise, we partnered up early on with Chia. a uh, crypto Not the seed. Not the seed. Well, um, Not you know, the uh, uh, yeah. GIA is, uh, is a seed, but Chia is also a uh, relatively young network, peer-to-peer network, a blockchain uh, that uses a different uh, system to do distributed uh, record keeping, right? To keep the uh, chain of records, which is a system called proof of space-time. We can talk about that a little bit later. But the, uh, the, main, the, the, the main thing that I would say about uh, the introduction that Chia uh, gave us to their community is that it brought in an entirely different set of uh, aesthetics, of expectations. Uh, and, and again, here's where uh, absolutely, like, there's, there is definitely, uh, it, it gave rise to a much wider range of aesthetics.
1: And I want to talk uh, to to you as a uh, as as artist, like what uh, about the experience uh, that you had uh, curating uh, curating artists uh, uh, for uh, for Lonely Rocks, uh, because that was something you mentioned. Like it's it's not easy to like you know it's a double hat and uh, and how to manage uh, this. Yes,
3: I think um, this is a very interesting uh, topic because I know. Um my uh, work as an artist is primarily abstract, and so it was interesting to me that the in, um, invitation to be a curator for a project about self portraits uh, eventually I realized that it is actually fairly related to me and that I have an interest in the nature of self so I won't go into that too much, but I was then able to engage in the project and think about well what is the what is a self-portrait and what is the intention of a self-portrait and are all the self-portraits that I'm encountering in having my radar up about self-portraits, are they really self-portraits or are they something else? So I had a lot of thoughts about these things and I still don't know for sure if uh, uh, conclusively what a self-portrait definitively is. But I think what we've done in, um, what I did in, encountering my artists, sometimes it really was literally a surprise encounter on Instagram, for example, where whatever a person who I did follow posted was jumped straight out at me as my first uh, nomination because uh, even though I didn't know her very well, her work was such an engaging portrait of herself in a, a phone booth and I just had to contact her and get my curatorial ball rolling. Um, after that, yeah, I basically uh, thought about my friends who, who, who do works in self-portraiture, which is actually very few. So I was surprised at that. I think I thought I knew more people. So I, <laughs> I had to extend my radar a little further. And, and really, I didn't get to the, my final list of nominees until quite close to the end of the project. Um, it just so happened that nearly all the people I introduced to the project were women. Um, that was definitely not really intentional. Um, I did want to um, find a person who was an Indigenous artist to Australia and I'm very glad that uh, um, I encountered Jimmy John Thayday's work, which was a finalist in the um, uh, Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander Awards in Australia for the media art uh, category. So I'm really grateful that he was able to share his self-portrait, which is Really, uh, an expanded self-portrait in the sense that self and land and and our environment and the animals in it are all one. So that that fit in with my philosophies as well, as far as an expanded idea of um, who we are as people and and the environment.
1: What were the criteria like? Were they like uh, were they like directions, or like, or just the theme, like to select, and then you had free uh, range of of choice from like. Uh, or had they to use an NFT or... um... Actually, it was really
3: interesting. A challenge I found communicating with the artists because everybody has a different perspective on... I guess I felt like I had to angle the introduction to the project and my role in it a certain way for each artist. And some of them I was quite clear that it was a blockchain-related project and others I kind of kept that quiet because it was quite hard to understand really for an artist who knows nothing about NFTs, um, how to yes, how what it would mean for them. So um, I, I kept it generally a little bit vague. And the other uh, situation I had was that I had artists' work who um, were certainly self-portraits, even though they might not have made the work with that intention. But I was interested in nurturing them towards perhaps. Uh, shifting their angle on their own work and and telling us how might this work be a self-portrait. And that sometimes was successful and sometimes not. So, um, yeah, from a curatorial point of view, uh, as an artist, being a curator, it's been a very interesting experience to spread my radar across works that are not usually on my radar. You know, I, I look at a lot of different artists that are not the ones I present here today.
1: And uh, Anna we talked uh, uh last night at last night at dinner, if you want to know everything uh, we uh, uh about the subjectivity also and uh, uh, and you as an artist, like is it okay to curate my like your own work and uh, uh
2: and yeah, like I uh, wanted to hear your approach as well uh sure um so i yesterday we were at a panel uh, with An Spalter, who's one of the pioneers of, of digital art, of course, and she was talking about how as a student, one of her favorite assignments was uh, being asked by her professor to just walk around town and take pictures of things she liked. Without thinking, without ideas, without concepts, without a framework or any kind of critical reading, just things you like. And how for her latest um, show, she really leaned into that emotional reaction um, to objects and found a painting that inspired her and that she liked and that she decided to go with. And I think that um, sometimes we don't give enough credit to our emotional reactions and we need to have, you know, this sort of philosophical conceptual framework to accompany it. Um, But I, in my curation for Lonely Rocks, I really leaned into my emotional reaction to the pieces and trusted that. Um, And one of the pieces, for example, that I really loved because I also thought it was fun and playful and sometimes we lack that in our real life, and we lack it in art. Um, was Carla Gannis's "Smiling on the Inside"? Um, and I interviewed her yesterday. We filmed a video before dinner um, about the piece. I didn't actually know her when I selected it, so you know she wasn't my friend then. But um, but her piece, um, I loved it because I love the name "Smiling on the Inside," and I love that it was one of her early TikTok videos. Um, and we're always saying that we're smiling on the inside, but on social media, we might be not smiling on the inside, but we're smiling on the outside. And I love that play. And I love that duality. And I love that the piece has this Janice two-faced, um, thing going on with a black kind of tar separating it. Um, and she's also just smiling and frozen in space and like almost a fake smile, a real fake. We don't even know anymore what's real, what's fake, right? So anyway, this piece, I thought, encapsulated so many of the complexities of social media and the way we engage with it in a way that I found to be um, emotionally compelling to me. And so it was one of my selections. And let's talk about, like, the, you know, we talked about uh,
1: this, links, uh, this link between uh, the artworks that... Uh, are uh, curated and uh, you know as as a family almost and uh, uh, with a distributed uh, curation uh, exercise that you did. Like I was wondering, like maybe Benton, you can tell us about the the end result uh, of the collection and uh, uh, and kind of like yeah, like did you end up with you know like things you're like oh this is not gonna work out <laughs> at all or or was it like uh, you know?
4: It's certainly not a homogenous collection, right? I actually I have to say that um maybe this is another reason to choose a theme of self-portraits, right? Because hey, if they're if they're totally heterogeneous and like everybody <laughs> looks radically different bringing completely different aesthetic concerns, that's like a Thanksgiving family gathering, right? So, you know, uh, maybe, uh, maybe. Hopefully, I guess you'll have to all tell me if it if if we get away with it. Um, absolutely, it is a really radical range of aesthetics. Of of people are coming from very different starting places about what art even is, uh, and that ranges from very traditional media, right, to um, you know, to people who are using machine learning uh, to to create works uh, that many actually do not accept yet as art, right? Um, So I also am very happy to say, uh, for example, we have Barbara Messum up on the screen, a piece from 1983. Uh, I think we did get a nice overview of like the very most recent aesthetics and artists and artworks, as well as some artworks from early in the days of computer art. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, there's absolutely like a lot of clashing between styles and aesthetics. It is not a, uh, it, I don't know, maybe it's not even a stew, right? It's like kind of like these, these radically different ingredients, uh, that are, that are kind of thrown out in front of you, but it is a family because it, these are self portraits. Each of the artists, who submitted work and were nominated to this process this is a reflection of their selves and this is a statement about this their selves
1: what i really like when i was in front of the screen is actually the you also uh, somehow invite the audience to draw their own connections uh, between works that have nothing to do uh, with each other like even just the color scheme of uh, Nicole Ruggiero's uh, work and Carla Gannis like work and 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 just unexpectedly like uh you know drawing this uh, uh this this links and finding these connections I think this this allows for a little bit more um like surprises and 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 fun to happen than like something that uh you know like is one person uh curating because I think one thing that like uh, is also important in the term curation like we there's nothing like neutral uh, or like objective curation right like as much as you want to say yes uh this work is important uh in the uh you know like context of art history this is still your opinion right like and 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 instead of re- removing biases, I think we have to uh, as you said like really embrace uh our subjectivity and 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 include it uh in it because uh, we've seen that repressing it is, is just not not worth it, um, and um, and I'm wondering. So, as as if as this was uh, the first uh, 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 exhibit, the first experiment, or the first time you uh, you went through it, I'm I'm wondering, like uh, you know, if you can give us uh, a little bit of your feedback uh, or what you're thinking uh, about the the next uh, the, the next one, uh, and 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 what you would like to see. Uh, stay or change uh, for uh, the next collection Okay, um. <laughs> you can say nothing, it was great. <laughs> no, uh,
3: of course <laughs> we all have yeah, I, I think I think again we come back to what perhaps we um, introduced at the beginning, whereby much of our discussion about curation and digital art is separate from web three. So I I think a lot of uh, what we've talked about here on this panel feels independent of what the technology was and could be and uh, whatever blockchain and Web3 mean. So uh, for me as a curator, I guess what I can see are challenges in what are we going to use Web3 for? And if we're going to decentralise, we want to make curatorial process transparent and is that a good thing? Um, is it good for every artist who submitted to see where they are in the, in the fit? And then what tools do we have and how do those tools evolve? Um, I think what was challenging in this project was the timing and, and perhaps the voting system uh, along the weeks of the uh, patron house uh, voting. And I think that we probably still have some challenges in Uh, building a fair system for, I guess, artists who got nominated later in the piece and maybe didn't get the opportunity to be viewed. Um, There was a lot of work in paging down the uh, uh, already nominated artists to see who else was there. So I think um, uh, perhaps some voters gave up before they scrolled too far down so yeah, I'm just really interested in how we can improve our our tools and w- what is it that we actually need as curators uh from the blockchain um because I feel like a lot of what we can do doesn't necessarily need the blockchain. Um
1: and actually it's uh, it's uh, uh, quite organically during this discussion uh it it got uh, very separated, right? Like it's a uh, uh we tend to have like discussions about NFTs and and then like like the next sentence is about like um, technical jargon, like no offense, but DAOs and 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 all these things, but uh, it has to be separated, as you said. Like digital art existed way before NFTs, and 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 Ana Maria, you said uh, very nicely that uh, it 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 helped uh, the format, the technology helped uh, the transactability uh, of the digital uh, artworks, and uh, and the governance. I think this is all like tools uh, that are being put in place to. Uh, experiment with but at the same time as you said the tools uh, improve and change so fast that like this hopefully will be easier and more democratic or more like more just as well like in terms of selection. Um, What about you?
2: Um, Of course I you know as a text lover I think that um, the experience not really coming into it but coming out of it could be improved with some narrative um, with some texts about what Lonely Rocks is about, about um, a little bit about the history of artists as curator, about decentralized curation. You know, on the car right here, I was with uh, incredible curator Malcolm Levy, and I was with Nathaniel Stern, who's a professor, a PhD at the University of Milwaukee. And we were talking about this whole long history of artists as, as curator and decentralized creation within the digital realm because there wasn't anyone to do it. And I think that's such an interesting and potentially uh, really beautiful. And um, I think it could, there can be so many nuggets and moments in that story um, that would be really beautiful to see perhaps a place like Lonely Rocks um, gather them. Um, and I think there's the people to write it because as you guys were saying, there, there was no writers to writing about digital arts. So the artists had to become writers. Um, so it would be wonderful to gather all those stories like in the 80s and the parties and whatever else happened. We all want to hear about it.
4: <laughs> awesome.
2: Yeah, and I think this is all,
1: oftentimes, sometimes we uh we see when uh you know you have new technological tools being uh built without that knowledge of uh uh you know how can these tools be used in a specific industry like the art market and 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 you know the history uh, of uh, of artists as curators and and curation but good thing is we have Charlotte Kent to write about it here so we are all good
2: she's not busy at all <laughs> plenty of time
1: Benton, uh, what uh, what about you like uh, to um you know tell us about the lonely rocks
4: 2.0 uh, i think the main challenge is that uh even though we are becoming ever more ethereal, ever more digital. The reality is like gathering somewhere, uh, even if it is in a virtual way, is really key, right? And so I think the number one self-criticism is that um, it's great to be here. It's great to be here with you all, right? But I think it would be so great if everyone, every artist could be here, right? And those artists could come and like, you know, find their fellow travelers or like come together and like, you know, tell each other why their, their art, you know, they don't like each other's art, et cetera, et cetera. Because there's absolutely, uh, I think you're seeing up on the screen, there's like a really wide range of, uh, of aesthetics and backgrounds and levels from the people here. So in a way it's about how can we improve that community aspect of it, right? So how can we uh, create this, I don't know, like, again, maybe I'll use the Thanksgiving dinner analogy, right? Where like, you know, oh my gosh, you, you, I think that that's actually a valuable thing when you encounter the people who least think like you, right? And so maybe uh, it would be more successful if there was a way to bring everybody together at the culmination of this project. And as far as I'm concerned, I see that happening in a virtual space, right? I see that happening in an innerverse, right? Uh, Because otherwise, you're not gonna bring everybody together physically.
1: And I think uh, as a concluding thoughts, uh, before we open to questions, uh, I I would like to leave you with um, the idea that um, you know by necessity in the past uh, artists had to become a lot of things uh, because there were no curators they became collect- uh, curators because there were no writers they wrote about their work uh, at the beginning of uh, every single art movement uh, artists are actually also the best curators, uh, collectors i'm sorry um, because if you look at uh, collectors collection like they collect between peers and and even further than that uh you know they start- there's a chance now, uh, like that we can make that uh, diversity of roles for artists not a necessity, uh, but an opportunity. Uh, and I, um, you know, I'm a very big fan of peer-to-peer review uh, a- as well. Like I think the curatorial critique uh, is uh, is very powerful when you actually uh, discuss it with uh, with other uh, artists and um, you know want to go away from the segmentation and the siloing of roles where more traditionally if you were a curator or a collector you could not be anything else uh, and and think about these like pseudo conflicts of interest because I think this is like where uh, the magic lies and uh, and that we can uh, uh, do way more but not by necessity uh, let's uh, let's try to make it a, a positive uh, approach uh, but I want to thank you very much I think we can Upload the speakers. Oh, yeah.
4: Thank you. Do do we we have time for questions? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Many questions. I mean, no, maybe one or two. Okay, fine, fine, fine. One.
5: (laughs) Okay, two. Charlotte. I guess, um, okay. Okay. Um, so it's very- I just, I, I, the question that I had in mind was simply that uh, the New York Times today just came out with a piece by Paul Krugman on uh, basically saying what are blockchains good for, and I think uh, it's it, not a terribly insightful article. So, uh, but I would still, re- but I would still recommend reading it because I think it speaks to how much work is still involved in trying to explain this, and it still feels like we're conflating blockchain and NFTs and tokens and currencies. And so I just wanted, on one hand, to just suggest to all of us, myself included, that we should be prepared for the fact that we need to be able to answer that question all the time in the year to come, because there's people who are extremely doubtful. But I also just wanted to put, um, well, I was going to put him on the spot, but, um, you know, uh, having done Lonely Rocks, what is what is the blockchain good for with Lonely Rocks?
4: What is the blockchain good for? What is it good for, anyways? Great question. No, in,
1: in context of Lonely Rocks. Okay, so
4: yeah. my so as far as Lonely Rocks goes, well, first of all, I would argue that art is the value proposition for the blockchain. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, I would point to many different uh, examples to back up my assertion. But basically, um, you know, the I feel like art, for example, rescued Tezos. Um, So as far as Lonely Rocks goes, my feeling is that by working, first of all, it's a cultural thing. So it's a bringing. We explicitly wanted to bring together these different communities and and to create um, again this sort of like culture clash between the communities. So it it becomes a forum. These technologies uh, and then as well, I would say that the technology is I see as viable for digital art in general, both for provenance, for um, for the preservation of arts. Uh, and then finally, uh, for the exchange of art. Now it's, it's wildly broken at this point. Personally, I think that, uh, Chia has, is working on solving a few problems, including the fact that, you know, this promise of resale royalties, uh, bit, as we have learned this fall is like actually not on firm footing with, uh, you know some of other blockchains we could mention, uh, and so it's it's basically just being you know uh, the platforms have to agree to use it; they don't have to to actually honor it. And so on Chia, those uh, resale royalties are actually baked in at the token level itself. So I guess what I'd say is the goal is to become. I do believe in the the decentralized you know, philosophy, the decentralized dream. I do think that the technologies are flawed, wildly flawed, but uh, I think the way to improve them is by using them and by, uh, you know, a- actively participating and trying to push them into a better direction. So, yeah, but it's I hope a, I it's answered a, your It's a good chart. question
1: to ask. I think there's uh, there's always, uh, uh, you know, like you see... S- too much, too often, the use of the word blockchain for because it's just hype, right? And it's like when you look at private blockchains, it's like it's just a database. And uh, but why is the right question to ask?
3: And I think the key thing in that is that this really was an experimental project. And I think Benton's comment on doing something that is perhaps not yet ideal, but in the act of doing, we learn. And I, I think that um, this experimental innovative project is really a, a, a great start and a community that now exists that didn't before, it wasn't before.
1: Great. Well, I think we are, we are concluding our panel. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Untitled.